Welcome to the Emerge Leadership Connection, the podcast that gives you the keys to unlock your heroic potential, develop into a legendary leader, and emerge into who you are meant to be. On today's episode, we have a conversation with Ed Squire and discuss the hashtag MeTooWhatNow movement, how prevalent childhood abuse is, what happens after you raise your hands, the power of video content, and authenticity online. I'm your host, Cody Dakota, founder of The Leadership Guide and finalist for the Extraordinarian Award for coaches with ideas that can change people, businesses, and the world for the better for my ideas on leadership. Stay tuned to the end of the episode to discover how to join the League of Legendary Leaders, an association of leaders with the goal to raise $100,000 monthly to support nonprofit causes which are currently looking to impact the world and make it better for future generations. Now, on to the show. Hey Ed, how are you doing today? I'm doing great, Cody. Thanks for having me on your show, man. No problem. Thanks for being here. I am excited for this show because you are the founder of a movement that I think is is pretty important. So so tell us, what is this movement that you're working on? Man, I'm so glad that you have. Thank you for calling it a movement. Uh, I would sure love it to be, and I hope, I hope it gets that way. Um, but uh, it's, uh, you know, if you can think of the two most controversial hot topics that are going on in our country today, the first one is politics. Nobody likes to talk about that. And the other one is sexual abuse. And nobody likes to talk about that. So my topic is on sexual abuse. And uh, I have a nonprofit called Me Too What Now. And it is, uh, um, uh, it's an extension of the Me Too movement where uh, I'm focusing on what happens now. Now that we, there's so many people in our culture that have decided to come out and say, look, I've been uh, sexually abused. Well, what do we do now? Let's, let's, let's move forward. And so the nonprofit focuses on speaking to uh, survivors of childhood sexual abuse. But at the same time, because uh, mental health is a big part of the effects of childhood sexual abuse, I'm an advocate in that arena as well. And I take a different approach to what I'm doing, and it's um, very, very exciting. That is that is extremely exciting because there's there's so much that that is going on just in that little intro that you've given me. One, right? It's fantastic to raise your hand and say something, right? Whether it's I've been wronged or whether it's I want to do something awesome in the world or I have this awesome idea for a business, what, whatever that is, right? But there's a big difference between raising your hand and actually doing something about it. Nothing happens unless you act. That's a, that's a huge piece of how anything gets done in the world. Yes. And, uh, you know, I've been involved in a lot of businesses over the years and had a very interesting career. And I can tell you that this would have been the very last choice on my list of things to do for a business. <laughs> uh, and taking action on it has been, uh, uh, I mean, it's been a very interesting I mean, it's such a it's such a shameful topic, is what it is. It's a fearful topic. Yeah. It's a complicated topic, and you know, one of the things I I made sure when I started this was I I don't get involved in like people ask me what's my opinion about Bill Cosby or how do I feel about uh, you know different celebrities or the Me Too movement or any any of those things. And I don't I rarely comment on them because my question is how are you doing as a survivor? Like where where are you at? How's your healing going? Because the reality is for me my opinions on the various movements and things that are happening 
are going to help me in my pro in my in my journey. So I, I, I and it, it keeps me out of hot uh, hot water when it comes to my opinion on on these things. They're all they all have their place, and some are good, some are greater than others, and maybe some aren't so good. But my my focus is on the healing of the individual and how are you doing in that in that journey. Definitely, and and like especially when you have these big celebrities and, and these these big named people who you know something comes out about them, whether it's true or not, you know that that's beside the point, right? It, it feels like all the attention suddenly goes on that person instead of the people who actually need the help most, right? That's exactly right. And, and it's, it's frustrating uh, for me as a survivor myself, because at the end of the day, I, I want to get better. Right? I, want, I want to live my life, and uh, I, I don't want to constantly be in a swirl of, uh, of controversy with uh, opinions and whatnot. There's enough of that going on in our regular lives that, uh, um, and, and like I said, it's complicated enough and difficult enough uh, getting healed from this, never mind the, uh, the, uh, you know, the people that are putting the focus on individuals, right? Exactly. And, and, and the, the problem isn't any single individual, right? Well, no, you see, that's a very good point. Or or whatever, right? That that's a problem. Sure. But it's not just them. Right. And, and you know, that's, I, I love that because you know, like a lot of people ask me with the Brett Kavanaugh you know, yeah. and Dr. Ford case, what's your opinion? Who, who do you believe? And you know, the reality is, okay, this is when it comes to law, there's no one guilty until they're proven guilty. So I, I can't, I didn't say, you know, Brett Kavanaugh was innocent or he was guilty. And I couldn't, I couldn't support, I mean, I, I believe survivors. I mean, I believe them until they have been disproven, which is rare. It's, it's rare. But even in the Brett Kavanaugh case, there were uh, a couple of women and a, and a gentleman who lied, who submitted false testimonies uh, because they had an agenda. So that happens. And again, I like to stay away from those things because at the end of the day, I want to look in the mirror and go, how, how am I doing? Am I, am I, am I healing? And so I, I support a survivor when they say they're a survivor. And I also support uh, 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 an abuser if they say they're innocent. Right. So, yeah, uh, because like if they are truly innocent, that's a terrible thing to be accused of. Right? Absolutely. Absolutely. And, and and then they suffer trauma. That's the thing that yeah. people don't realize, too, is that if you're being accused of being an abuser and you're not, think of what you had to go through. So I, I, I get off. I don't get on the bandwagon of like I always support survivors no matter what. It's like I do. Like I said, it's it's there's you know what I'm saying. Right. I mean, it's yeah. It's, you got to support people when it comes to equality and rights and, and fairness and, and the law. And at the end of the day, at the end of the day, you have to love on people. That's, that's what, that's where everything I'm focused on is going towards is, as am I, lo- am I loving on that individual and in this situation, this circumstance, and then that diffuses all the controversy. Cause if I can't talk about that at the end of the day, that's, that's what ends up healing people is love. And, and that's, that's where I bring everything back to. So. Definitely. And I think that's so important in today's world. It, there, there's so much hate thrown around place to place. We don't take enough time to actually look at the people, right? And at the end of the day, it's the people that matter. You have to actually focus on the individuals. They're human beings. You, you know what I mean? I sure do, man. I mean, I've, I've been through this for a lot of years and, and, uh, and it doesn't, I mean, we all have, right? We all want to be we all want to be loved and, and cared for. So, uh, 
um, yeah, that's the, that's what's behind everything I'm doing. Definitely. Now, now before we actually set up our meeting, you shared some very scary statistics about this whole area that we're looking at. Yes. Do you want to talk about some of those statistics? Because that alone highlights how much bigger this really is than any single individual. That's right. And, or any single, um, uh, you know, uh, uh, demographic or the entertainment industry or just childhood sexual abuse. But the reality is in, in the United States alone, there's an estimated 60 million survivors of childhood sexual abuse alone. And that doesn't include people that have been uh, maybe abused in, in colleges or on the job. And in Canada, uh, where, where I'm originally from, it's around 10 million. So you're looking at 70 to 80 million people who are survivors of childhood sexual abuse. Uh, it's, the statistic is one in uh, every six boys and one in every, uh, uh, was it three women, uh, will be sexually abused by the time that they're 18 years old. So talk about having a captive audience. Yeah. They're, they're out there, right? And when I, when I started doing this, I just, I just knew that they, I just know that they're there. And, and, and I know that, that a certain percentage of those people are looking for help and looking to get, looking to get uh, you know, assistance and, and get their lives figured out. And so with statistics like that, and then when you look at specifically in, in the church and then in schools, uh, elementary schools and high schools and colleges, it, it is everywhere in our society. And it is next door neighbors, family members. It, it is so prevalent. It becomes a, something that people just don't want to talk about because it is so overwhelming. And uh, I've been through that. Uh, stage of the overwhelm the overwhelmingness of the of the topic, but you know one of the recent documentaries I really liked was the uh, Neverland uh, series, and at the at the at the end of the two two documentaries, uh, the two men did a one hour special with Oprah Winfrey in New York, and the entire audience was made up of invited uh, organizations that were either nonprofit or for profit, but they were advocacy groups and individuals. So everybody in there was a survivor of childhood sexual abuse. And one organization that I really like, which I think is probably the largest uh, um, uh, nonprofit for male uh, uh, adult survivors of childhood sexual abuse was one in six.org. And their name is made up of that statistic. And, um, uh, you know, it's, uh, it's, it's staggering. Yeah, it is. It's, it's, so where do you begin and what do you do? Exactly. What, what, where do you begin? What, do, what can you do? You know, because yeah. it, it's, you know, it's so prevalent. I, I, I'm, I'm because of this is someone that I know. I, I remember there was um, a few years back, someone opened up to me about a situation they had been in and, and they were, they were in their college years and, and like, even, even if you're not the person experiencing it, and you're just someone who's hearing that story, it's so hard and difficult to, to, to even secondhand experience it. And, yes. and all the, the traumas and, and the people disbelieving and, and pointing fingers. And this is, a, this is a hard, hard area to be in. So that brings me to how and why I started Me Too What Now, right? What I, what I didn't want to do was just be, I mean, there's so many advocacy groups 
uh, at the state and federal level that are nonprofit, for profit. Uh, there's just so much good work that's being done out there. And uh, you know, I'm not a I'm not a qualified certified professional in mental health care, but I'm a qualified certified professional in recovery. And so survivors at, at some point in their journey, one of the most powerful things they can do is connect with other survivors. Whether you know them personally or not, or whether you, it doesn't matter how or where or what the circumstance or situation is, but it's an important part to, to recovery because when you begin to speak, things in your mind that you haven't spoken of for years because of the fear and the shame, it literally begins to unlock uh, neurotransmitters in your brain and more memories begin to open and emotions begin to uh, get connected to that and, and trauma begins to, to, to set in. And so what I wanted to do is I wanted to find a way to f- fill a gap that I thought was in the advocacy arena in this, in this area. And I, I found it by accident because when I ended up losing my job because I went on uh, disability for post-traumatic stress disorder, complex, complex post-traumatic stress disorder, uh, and I came out of a, a high-end consulting career. So I was used to solving big problems for big companies and now here I couldn't I, I couldn't hold my job anymore so I when I was on when I started recovery I dug into you know okay what, what is this all about like what what happened to me how did I go from being a professional consultant to being somebody who couldn't manage his own schedule who couldn't keep his anger in a public place or couldn't couldn't keep my you know I would have uh, these outbursts in, in, in public and began to exhibit the symptoms of of complex post-traumatic stress disorder, I began to do what I think millions of these tens of millions of people do. We go to the internet, right? Because it's private and and that's the big thing. And uh, we can search on our own and there's so much information out there. But after a while, and it didn't take long for me that I noticed that most websites had the same kind of information and I I get that. And it's important and it's helpful. And, uh, and then I noticed that, whether it was on an organization's website or maybe if they had a YouTube channel or some other social media platform, their video content, which I was attracted to, which, which most people are today, it's a huge trend, I found uh, interesting in the beginning, but then very boring very quickly because the content for the most part was uh, survivors sharing their stories or medical or, 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 or mental health care professionals talking about recovery. And it's uh, such a heavy topic. How can you... You know, I like I can only listen to it for so long, and then I'd have to go watch a football game or hockey or go do something. So I wanted I wanted to find a way to reach people who were searching with video because the 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 rate that video content is going on the internet has hasn't hasn't even peaked yet. It's astronomical. Right? Like 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 what is it now? There's like 500. I got this stats over here somewhere. That it's it's the amount of YouTube views per minute is just beyond comprehension right their capability to even manage uh that type of video, that type of that amount of video content and so i thought you know actually i didn't think this my 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 worship pastor at my church he said to me hey you know Eddie, he said you should you should vlog your journey on youtube that, that's what you should that, that i think that'd be very interesting i think people would find that interesting and i thought forget that <laughs> <laughs> put my recovery on on youtube are you kidding me like what are people going to think i mean i got all these different people in my life that think very different things about me some people know me as a professional some people know me as a as a i mean 
there's everybody is different to you know when you put yourself on social media cody yeah it's it's hard out sometimes there. To, to put out what you truly feel out there that's because, it because everyone is watching and when all eyes are on you you're like how authentic can i really be that's it where i get the hate right that's because it that's something we try to avoid as people is we try to avoid hate and it's really right. difficult to have the courage of heart to really just stand up and be like, no, this is, what right. I'm, this is what I'm going through. These, this is the real deal going on right now. And I don't care if you like it or not, but this is the real stuff. So then how do you, so the, what I was faced with was the question of, if you look on YouTube and I just began to study the success of various YouTube um, uh, social media influencers and I noticed that there was no common denominator as to the topic that people would have so you could be a really nice guy and have a several million people following you or you could be a complete idiot but being an idiot is a matter of somebody's opinion you see yeah right? I, I may call them an idiot but they may, no, you see what I'm saying so you I can be completely anything you, you, yeah. your topic could be a, I, I mean I you could, your topic could be scraping, how to scrape, no, different ways to scrape gum off the sidewalk. And there is a topic, and, and it's got hundreds of thousands of views. And I thought, well, what is the common denominator? And then when you, when you look at these massive social media influencers that have hundreds of thousands or, or millions of followers, and you get them outside of their platform, maybe at a convention or on a podcast or something, you find out that they're a little bit different than what they are on their channel because they're, there's a persona that they're putting out there, but every single one of them will tell you the same thing. They're being themselves. They're just being themselves. And so your ability to be authentic and genuine is what sells. And, and where, that's where digital marketing money and dollars is going today is in authenticity on camera. And so how do you be authentic on camera and your topic is childhood sexual abuse and be interesting and get people to come back and develop a large following? Cause I got to tell you, you know, I did a massive uh, study on how many, I took like the top 20 um, nonprofits they're advocating in this area. And I went through and how many, how many views they had when they started, how many videos they have, what their likes are and, and how many people are subscribing. And the, the trend for the most part, over 90% was not good. Right? So either they didn't put out content very often, or if they did, it wasn't very popular, or uh, you know, there were the odd video that was, very, that was viral. But I was trying to figure out what, you know, what could you do in that? And then you know, my, my worship pastor, Aaron, he, he just had a great idea. He said, just, just go on and be yourself. Just do what you're doing with me, right? And so that's what I did. And so I, my, my content on my channel has uh, things like I, I, I vlog, uh, you know, just like a, like a regular vlogger would, but I do it from uh, where I am in my recovery. That's what I do. Like some days are good, some days are bad, and um, I'm not afraid to put that up on social media. I've learned how to create content that is uh, interesting, and I've learned a little bit of the art of how you make a good video. And um, I, you know, my very first video I, I filmed, and it was almost one year ago today, I remember looking at it and going, oh my gosh, I cannot, I cannot put that up on YouTube. That looks horrible. I mean, I look like an idiot. But then I thought all of the really goofy things I did that shouldn't be on camera, if I actually took all those and put them on camera and added some funny music to it, it'd make a great blooper reel for something. 
<laughs> and so, so that's what I did. So one of my playlists is just blooper reels and goofy things that happen. And you know, another playlist is interviews with other survivors and uh, mental health care professionals and nonprofits. And another playlist is my vlogs and, and some developing playlists that have different types of content that, 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 that um, I think people are finding interesting because I'm, I'm coming up to one year now in, in doing what I'm doing. And I've, you know, I've only got 34 videos. Now, some people think that's a lot. My goal was to put up a, a, you know, one video a week, and then I realized how much work that is. Um, <laughs> but I managed to get up more than two videos a month, which is, which is good. And I've got over, like, um, I think it's 11,000, 12,000 minutes of views, over 4,300 individual unique views, 103 followers. And um, the average length of watch time is, is around 60 to 70%, which is – Phenomenal numbers it's on on great, YouTube, right? Because right? how long is your your regular video for two and a half your, minutes? Two and a half minutes, yeah, that's minutes. great. So I mean, it doesn't matter how long it is, as long as your view time is staying within around a six. I mean, if it's but they say between forty to sixty percent, you're doing good. And so I, I think I found something that's working, and I decided to create documentaries as well, which is 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 part of the projects that I'm working on. And so I'm on a whole I'm on a whole journey now that I'm thoroughly enjoying and finding. Um, a lot of people are, are being helped by it, right? And uh, the, I, I get a lot of a lot of offline um, uh, emails or direct messages and private messages from people telling me how much they appreciate and how much what I'm doing is helping them. But at the same time, I always I'm quick to tell them how much their journeys are also helping me because I haven't arrived yet. And I need help. And what's interesting is if I don't post for three or four days, I get people coming back saying, hey, how are you? Like, you haven't been posting. Are you all right? And uh, so I have, this, I have this live organic relationship going on with a lot, with a lot of people. And, and so there, a movement, right, is beginning yeah. to happen, like you're saying. And so this, this next year is, is going to be really, really exciting. Um, I'm really looking forward to it. And, and I think I'm filling a niche that, that is not really there. And although I can't provide professional help, I can recommend to people where, where they can go. There's different um, uh, um, opportunities on my website where people can look, to look for help. It's not ex- extensive, but it's, uh, but it's there. And, um, uh, you know, just me sharing my story through video uh, has, uh, has really, you know, been, been uh, uh, a journey of healing in my own, in my own life, right? of being authentic and and uh and it's uh it's helping others as well so definitely so yeah. so i've got a question how do you go from from saying to to your to your pastor heck no there's no way i'm going to do this to to making the leap and saying okay i finally have the courage i'm actually going to do this now how how did that occur for you you know i just when he said that you know i had no I had no video camera. <laughs> I had no video <laughs> production capabilities, right? I'd, I'd never done any of that. I didn't know what ISO and you know, frame rate and you know, all these technical terms for filming that you need to know. And, and, um, and, and then the biggest fear for me was, you know, I told him, I said, I just, I, I can't even be authentic with myself. How am I supposed to, like, how would I, how could I, I, I just baffled by it. But then, I just thought, you know, I, everything in life happens for a reason. And, you know, my tagline for Me Too What Now is called find yourself, live yourself, give yourself. And that is the process of recovery. There's, there's t- 
typically in the industry, um, depending on the, uh, like if you go to the DSM-4, if you listen to, or if you look at, uh, you know, um, uh, psychologists and psychiatrists, there's five stages of healing from trauma. And, and they, they, they go through learning to understand your identity, finding out who you are, and then, and then how you live that, and overcome the, the difficulties and circumstances uh, that are part of you, understanding your identity and overcoming the hurts and, 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 the, and, the, and the, the pain that you've gone through. And then you learn how to live that, and then you learn, your life becomes vibrant. And so find yourself, live yourself, give yourself is my tagline. And I thought, you know, at this stage of my life, you know, I, I just feel that I'm called to doing it. Right. I just felt called to do it. And I, I just didn't see any other options for me in my life. And I thought, you know what, if I really, really apply myself to this, I know it's going to help me. I just absolutely know it. And I mean, I, and I knew that because I practiced. I thought, you know, if I can, if I can learn to just be authentic on camera, right? Just who is the real me, right? Just this process of figuring out who I am. And so I, I did this for a, a couple of months, just sat in front of the camera doing this. And it was like, it was really stressful. When you look at your, when you record yourself and look at yourself, you see yourself <laughs> who you really are. Yeah, for better or for worse. That's right. right. Because right? sometimes you see things or you hear things that you you don't recall ever actually happening. That's right. I'm not look. I'm not looking forward to watching this recording. <laughs> I've, I've totally been there and I've caught myself saying ridiculous things and making ridiculous hand movements and making ridiculous yeah. faces. I totally um, understand that. Yeah. And so I just, I just, I just felt there was a calling to do it. And, and I, I thought, you know, I'm, I'm going to try this for one year. And, and if, if, if in one year nothing works then, or if, if even at any time during that process, if I wanted to quit, I could, I could quit. And I just, I just felt the only way for me to do this, no matter where it gets to, is to be authentic. And, um, yeah, I mean, I guess that, that's a hard question for me to answer because it didn't, you know, I, I, you know, he said that and I, I tried it and, and I didn't like it. But then I thought, you know, the blooper video made from it, I thought was hilarious. But then I thought, well, how can that help anybody? But the reality is humor helps everybody. And so I wanted to, I thought, if, if there's a way I can use my personality to lift the heaviness and the weight of this issue from people's shoulders. But at the same time, because I'm living that recovery on my own myself right now, then maybe something could come out of that. And that's, that's the way, the way it started. And uh, that's, that's how, what it's, what it's become. And I'm, you know, I, I, I'm having an absolute guess doing it. I mean, I really enjoy it. Awesome. So, so, so one of the things you said is you, you felt like it was a calling, right? what made it feel like a calling? Because I've, I feel like there's so many people that are searching for some, some sort of calling and they have no idea what it is. They don't even know where to begin to look for a calling. And it, it just seems like it's such a stretch to even like hear that phrase to so many people. So, so what was like that flag that went up for you that said like, I feel like I need to go and actually do this. Even if I, I don't feel like I'm ready for it, even if I, I, I look at a first video and I know I'm not perfect and things are kind of wonky anyways, like what was that first flag? You know, I, I think this, you know, I'm going to be creating a series uh, that is called find yourself, live yourself, give yourself. I'm going to speak to each one of those topics and there'll be like short five minute videos. But the reality was I was like, like every, like 
the majority of survivors, you have an identity issue at some point. When you first begin to face, wow, this is affecting me, or something in life has triggered you, like happened to me later in life, um, and you know you have a problem, uh, and you know that you have an identity issue. And usually codependency goes along with that, and performance orientation, meaning you're trying to act a certain way to get people to like you, or you're trying to assume you think you know what they're thinking about you and you're trying to act like you want to, you're trying to act like you think they're wanting, you know, this whole codependent uh, uh, borderline personality disorder type of behavior. And we all, I think everybody has this to some degree. We're all concerned with what people think. I mean, we all have insecurities and identity issues, but when you have trauma, it is so highly dysfunctional. It can be detrimental to yourself and to people around you. And so that's, a major problem. And so when I first realized that, you know, I mean, I, I lost my career to this, I looked back and I saw that my whole life was impacted by this and that, that I've been living just a, a lie in so many areas of my life, all my life. I, you know, I like I cheated on my wife for 13 years that we were married. And while I was a youth leader in my church, I was going, I was also paying for sex. And it's just this, these massive identity trauma issues that you're dealing with. And for me, it brought on a tremendous amount of self-loathing. So I hated myself and I was suicidal. And so that's a, that's a lot of, that's a big bucket of problems to deal with. Yeah. It's huge. And so, and so I, I figured, you know, I, if I don't get myself fixed, now this was, this began in 2012. So actually, kind of all over the place, because it's such a good question. I, I just got to the point, I think this is where a lot of survivors get to. They're like, like, what the hell happened? Like, why, what did I do to deserve this in my life? And the answer is you, you didn't do anything to deserve it. But the reality is it happened to you. And it, it destroyed you as a human being in many ways. And so it was in 2012, it was August 24, 2012. I was in a hotel room in Wisconsin. And I was, I was working for a major insurance company there. And I was drinking a, a bottle of wine every night when I got off work. And I was taking prescription medication and having panic attacks. And I finally said, you know what, God? You know, I was cursing at him is what I did. Right? I was basically, screw you, right? This is what it's like to be... Uh, well, thank you very much, creator of the universe, right? Like, 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 and I, and I think that's a very, a very fair question. And so when people are mad at God for what happened to them, I should be mad because you ever, I mean, you have every right to be mad. Why, why wouldn't you be mad? And so I, I demanded from God, I said, you know what? You, you, I mean, I believe that you created, you know, the earth and all this stuff. Why can't you do something for me? I mean, I'm just, I just, I just want, I just want to be normal. I just want, I just want help. And um, that's where I'm going to hit record on my thing again. I'm sorry. There we go. <laughs> I, can, I can pick right back up right there. And so I just, I just was so angry with what had happened to me. And I just said, do something. Would you, right? Just do something. And uh, looking back now, and uh, I, I can just see him sitting in the room with me going, and you know what, I've been actually waiting for you for a long time to say that. And so buckle in, son, because I'm coming to the rescue. And so it was from 2012 until now that really everything 
brought me to where I am now. And he, I really believe he answered my, my prayer. Now, to answer the question, how could a loving God do that? I'm not going to get into it. It's, this is a, a journey everybody has to figure out for themselves, right? I, I, just, I, just, I just know that from 2012 until now, there's absolutely no way that I could have made this up and brought myself to the level of healing that I am now and doing what I'm doing. My life is, is, is I mean, I'm just living uh, a, a full dream. I mean, just, I'm so satisfied and fulfilled in my life now. And, and all my life, I wanted to have success. I wanted money. I wanted, I wanted position. I wanted to, you know, make a lot of money and I could help God. But the reality was the more I made, the more I spent on myself and the more I just frivolously wasted it. And so I'm, that's the roundabout answer to your question right, is how I decided to do it, I just, I, or what I felt was my calling, I just finally realized that, you know what, nothing happens by accident. I just don't believe that you and I are, are, are communicating by accident. And I don't believe this is the first and last time either. There's, I think there's a connection that we're going to have that's going to impact other people through what we're doing. Because you're called to doing what you're doing, I know. I know that. I mean, I listen to a ton of your podcasts. I'm like, man, this guy. I, just, I love you know the drive. I love your story where you came from, and you're on the same path. And so, you know, my hope is that you know for other people that are experiencing this, of the tens of millions of people that are out there, that that they they uh, come to find out their who they are, who what their identity is, and. Um, as a person, I'm not saying in a religious in a sense, or you need to ask God. You just you need to figure yourself out, and I think when you when you do that, you'll you'll get the answers right, and they'll be real. And so I couldn't I couldn't deny it. I just thought, you know what, this this is what I'm going to do. This is this is what I'm going to do. And so I'm giving my whole heart to it, and we'll see where the future goes. Definitely. So so like a very short way to try to paraphrase that. I think is that you were just ready for a calling to be there. Like you'd gone through life and you know, whatever happens happens and you just hit this point where you're ready for something. And that's when that calling begins to come. See, that's the thing, right? Is you're ready, right? All my life I was trying to be ready, but how do you know when you're really ready? I mean, I really thought I was, but I was so deceived in my own head. I, I, it didn't even occur to me that cheating on my wife was such a bad thing. I, you, know, because you, you hide it. If, nobody, if, if, it's, if, it's, if she doesn't know, if nobody else knows, it's not hurting anybody. You, you're trying to keep all these things under control. But the reality is that's very dysfunctional. It's not healthy. And come to my surprise, I thought I wasn't hurting anybody but myself because nobody knew. But the reality is, is I was hurting everybody else. But I couldn't figure out how. And the way that happened is when you do that, you close yourself off emotionally to, to, your, to your wife, to your friends, to your family, to even strangers around you because you've got this secret and you're not able to fully authentically be yourself. So I had no idea that all these hidden things I was doing were actually hurting other people. Definitely. Um, I, I think that there's so much power in, in recognizing that. Because when, when you decide to close off a piece of yourself, that there's, there's, it's kind of like throwing the, uh, a rock into the, the pond, right? There's ripples. And everyone can yes. feel the ripples. Even if there's no necessarily easy way to see where the rock hit, why those ripples are coming or anything, those ripples are coming anyways, and they impact everything around right it's not like you throw the rock in the middle of the pond 
and the ripples go in one direction, right? The ripples go everywhere and they impact everything, whether you recognize it or not. That's true. That is, that's, that's true. And it's very scary. Um, but you know, the, uh, you know, I never thought in a million years I would ever sit here on a podcast or go on a website and make a video and tell people the things I just told you in the last 15 minutes, right? They, they're yeah. shameful. They're fearful. Like, and, and, but you know what? It's so liberating. It's so freeing. It has made me stronger as a man. I've gotten respect from people for doing this. Friends that are, you know, just dear and close and intimate to me that I never would, never would have had if I didn't, if I didn't do this. And now it's like, I don't even think about it. Like when I, when, when I go to share my story or people ask me any details that sometimes they're like, are you, are you, they ask me, are you okay sharing it? Like, are you, are you all right? And I'm like, I'm so fine with it. My concern is, is the person I'm talking to, how are you going to be when I tell you what happened? Because people, when they hear, you know, my story or other survivor stories, it's, it's, uh, it impacts the people who are even listening. And, uh, you know, that's, that's what my, you know, part of my mission is, is to, is to, is to eliminate the fear and shame associated with childhood sexual abuse. I, I'm not, uh, I'm not an organization that's trying to stop childhood sexual abuse. There's some great organizations that are doing that and, uh, they have the education and the certification and the professional training to, to, to do that. But, um, uh, you know, my specialty is in overcoming shame and fear and helping people get out of that. And that doesn't mean you have to make a YouTube video and tell everybody what happened, but it means coming to terms with the realities of what happened in your life and, and, and talking to somebody about it and, and realizing that there is nothing to be ashamed of and there is nothing to be fearful of. Definitely. I, I, it almost seems like a lot of these different organizations that are doing amazing work are the second step. And what you're doing is really the first step that people need. And that's kind of the problem, right? Yes. So many times when we see a problem, we try and solve it at the higher level when we need to get down to the ground level, right? And in right? In, in any sort of organization you lead, if you want to bring your team up with you, right? You don't just call down and say, hey, get up here. You go down to them and you bring them up with you. Right. That's right. That's right. And that's not, and that's a hard thing to do when you, when you're prideful, right? I'm yeah. like, like I'm, I'm having to, you know, I feel when I first started doing this, it's like I'm bringing myself to this low position. I have to get to the starting point at some place. We all do. But, but now I, it's, it's so different. Um, because you know it's, it's so funny because you know you and I met at the New Media Summit uh, convention mm-hmm. in uh, in uh, in February in Florida, and it was a huge it was a huge deal for me because I knew that everybody forms opinions about what they see and based on a conversation, and you, I look at myself and I go, wow, okay, guy's got really long hair. You would never guess me to be a, a, a corporate strategic analyst for the Boeing Corporation or for Pepsi Cola Global, right? Uh, but but that's what I did, and. Um, and I was just concerned, like, when people get to know me outside of what I've been doing, what are they going to think? <laughs> so one, one lady said to me at the end of the convention, she goes, I have to tell you something. She goes, when I first saw you, I wasn't, I wasn't sure like, who, who you were and what you were doing. She said, but I, you know, 
and I was on her podcast recently. She said, uh, I, I thought you were a movie star. So she said, I was a movie star. This is so awesome. And then another person thought I was part of the media crew, right? That was, you know, filming and uh, doing interviews and stuff. And uh, but, but no one sees me as an advocate for childhood sexual abuse. And no one sees me, nobody sees me doing it with uh, humor and inspiration and with, uh, uh, you know, trying to create captivating, interesting video that, that is, 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 is funny and informative. And that's what I'm all about, right? And, and, and nobody sees that. And I'm in, and I'm not, and I'm still, I'm still on disability and, and I, I struggle. I struggle more than I don't struggle still, right? So I mean, depression and bipolar and anxiety. And you know, I, I go to church, my, my pastor and my worship pastor, they're very good friends of mine. Well, they haven't seen me for the last month because I've, I've just been, I've been going through a bipolar, manic, uh, high anxiety uh, stage, a phase. And this is part of the journey. And I'm going to see my psychiatrist next uh, week. And we're going to, for the first time in a couple of years, make a change to my meds to help me focus more. And, and I'm not ashamed to talk about that because that's my reality. It won't always be my reality, but that's what it is now. And just like you said, you know, you got to start, you got to go bring yourself to where your reality is. And when it comes to childhood sexual abuse, it's just having honest, authentic conversations with people. When And I, I know that when, when survivors hear this podcast and see it, I, I absolutely know that they're going to reach out to me. They're going to reach out to you because they've heard, they've heard this, right? And maybe they've heard it in a, in a different way. And, um, um, you know, which, which brings me to a, a, um, a project that I'm working on that I wanted to share with you if I could. Yeah. Okay, so uh, I'm 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 putting together a uh, a documentary, and a lot of people have heard about my documentary that I'm putting that I'm doing, and it's um it's on the uh, lawsuit that I filed against the school board and the teacher um, uh, when I was sexually abused uh, uh, in elementary school, and the, the goal is for that to come out this fall. But I have another project that I haven't I don't talk about publicly very much, and I didn't think it would be a good idea until I met. Uh, a guy by the name of Simon Weinberg, and he has a company called Big Voice Productions out of San Diego. And uh, New Media Summit has another uh, function in San Diego in the fall, and so I signed yeah. up for that because I want to go and meet Simon when I'm out there. I met Simon at a convention uh, last October in uh, Virginia, and uh, I, I put together uh, a display table and banners, and I had brochures, and I got my business cards, I got wristbands and pens, and I went as a vendor, right? And I was incredibly scared to do the whole thing. I'm, I still haven't made a vlog out of that yet, which I'm going to, because there I was with some of the largest nonprofits in the country. Like 16.org was there. They, they were the keynote speaker, and Big Voice Productions was there, and they are a massive film production company that does Hollywood-sized movies. And I'm there with you. Know, I had 24 videos made, you know, and I had, I don't know, 250 people on Instagram, you know, and I it just I wasn't much of anything. But I thought, you know, I have in just enough content that I felt, and I have a compelling enough mission and vision and problem statement that it would be worth going to see how I'm received at, at that level, right? And, yeah. and if, if people didn't see the value in, like, so what do you do? I, I make videos, right? And, I, and my whole, my whole, my whole uh, business uh, strategy is, is based on uh, taking advantage of finding out how to reach people who, who nonprofits are trying to reach, right? Back to your original question of, of reaching, reaching people who are 
who are out there that are un, untouched, right? How do you find these people? And I, I just really felt, and I still do, and I always will, that video is the way to, is the way to, to reach them. And so this guy, Simon, came up to me and he said, um, he asked me what I was all about. He owned a movie production company. And I told him of a, an idea that I had. And I was going to do this with or without a big movie production, comp- uh, movie production budget. I just thought, you know what? I would like to hit the road with my camera, you know, with the big Joby stick, you know, my big <laughs> DSLR on there. And I'd like to travel across the country and just vlog a journey of me making, uh, getting meetings with some uh, leaders of nonprofits and other advocacy groups and with survivors and doing, uh, you know, uh, some man on the street type of uh, unscripted, uh, you know, uh, um, uh, conversations with people on the street and use my kind of quirky personality and put that together into a documentary. I just thought it'd be fun and, and, and cool. And I didn't think it'd be that big of an interesting idea, but Simon, you know, he, I, I talked to him about it and he was, absolutely convinced that that is not only a good idea, but it's something I, I really should pursue. So in the plan right now is in 2021 is to begin filming. And I'm, I'm going to see if I can raise enough money, which is, uh, you know, it's a, uh, it's a lot of money, uh, more money than I've ever raised before, uh, for anything. And I'm going to see if I can actually hire a film crew and uh, get a production team and, and uh, use Big Voice Productions out of San Diego and do a full-blown major, like, you know, 4K um, um, quality documentary film, travel across the United States, and the plans to travel across Canada as well with this, with this idea. And so that's, that's what I'm going to be working towards in the next, in the next uh, 18, 24 months here. That's one, that's, I think that's such an awesome project. I'm super excited to hear about it. I'm super excited to see it come to life. Because, because like what we've been talking about is this impacts so many people, right? And, and they don't know that a lot of them don't want to be heard, right? Because they're scared. They're terrified. They don't know how they can be heard. They don't know how they're going to be received, even if they are heard. Right. And then, and then they don't even know where to go if they do happen to get heard. Right. That's and, right. And this is going to be a journey, a, a, a process showing right. them all these different phases that what they are already seeking secretly. Yes. And, and, and so I will be vlogging. Uh, I'll be like, um, because I'm coming up to my one year anniversary, I've got a, my, my, my content plan laid out for, for the next year. And a big part of that content plan is talking about this and like this, oh my God, I'm going to, you know, this movie producer owner guy said this is he said this is a this is a hero's journey that you need to go on do you know what a hero's journey is and i said yes he said well that's what this is and he said he said let me ask you a question and he says if you could have anything anything out of me too right now what would it be and i thought oh my gosh i said well i'd like it to be really big i'd like it to for a lot of people to know all about it and he said no 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 he says you're you're thinking from your head and i he says, I want you to think from your heart. So if you, if you could, if this could be anything, what, what do you want it to be? And I was like, okay, think from my heart, not my head. Uh, I couldn't think about it. I was on the spot. What, what is he looking for? So I said, well, I just, I like it to be really, really big. So I, mean, I, I sounded like an idiot is what I sounded like. And, <laughs> and he goes, look it. And I want, what do we, so I want you to sit down. I want you to just take a deep breath. Okay. Just take a breath. 
want you to close your eyes and just think for a moment and ask yourself, if you could have anything, what would it be? And I thought, what is well, what answer is he looking for? My ADHD brain is going like, what is he asking? And I, I didn't know what he was saying. I said, you know what, Simon? I said, this is all I got. I said, I've only ever told my therapist this, but I'll tell you because it's the only thing I can think of. I said, if I could have anything in life, never mind with me too what now, but if I could have anything in my life, before I die or when I die on my gravestone, I just wanted to say, Ed Squire, if you knew him, you knew the real, he was a real deal. Or Ed Squire, the, the authentic, real, I said, Simon, I just want to, you know, I, I cursed a little bit. <laughs> I still do sometimes. I said, I just, I said, if I could just, I just want to be myself, Simon. And I just, that's what I want. Okay. And I was a little bit upset. And I said, that's, that's all I got. Okay. That's, that's from my heart. I don't know how that applies to your question, but that's, that's what I want. And he said, Ed, go ahead. He said, that's, that's the answer I was looking for. And he said, you take that attitude. He said, if you curse a little bit and hear that, he says, just this country, these people, survivors, they need to see someone like you living their true authentic self and being out there. And, and let's get this on film. He said, let's get this on film. I mean, you're going to help me? What does that mean? Let's get this on film. And as it turns out, he, he is very interested in, in being a part of this project. And so I, it, it took on a whole lot different serious meaning for me when he said that, because he's a movie film producer and marketer. And, and for him to say that, I thought, you know, maybe I need to really think about this being more than a fun journey that might help people. Maybe it, it could have a major impact. You know, and he said, if you think about it, he said, there's, there's nothing out there like this there's there are no documentaries like this if there are it's too everybody's it's scripted that nobody's just in their own journey just letting it rip and you just you just you just let it rip <laughs> ever since i met you you just you don't care what people think and i said I, I i said i that's right i don't i mean i do but i but i don't and uh you know being a, a christian it's hard sometimes because i'm not i don't try to act like that anymore i don't know if that makes any sense I don't even like telling people I'm a Christian, to be honest with you, because then automatically they think what that is, what you're supposed to be like. And I don't think I fit what that is. Being a Christian is something you are. It's not something you do. Right. And mm-hmm. so, you know, I got God, I got Jesus Christ living in me. And that's, that's just, that's it. That's, that's it. That's being a Christian. It doesn't matter what I did, what I do, what my habits are. I mean, those things are so uh, insignificant. In, in what that actually means. And so I'm a little rough around the edges, you have to excuse me, but in my, in my Christianity, because um, that's just where I'm at, right? It's just everything in my life has to be real or I'm just not interested in it. Definitely. And, so, and, and like, like so many people, when, when they hear something, they, try, they automatically try to put you in some sort of a box, right? And, and you're feeling this on different levels, whether it's Christianity, whether it's I went through childhood abuse, you know, like like the when people hear this these things they automatically try to put you in a box and how often do we do that to people we uh, we hear just some small piece of their story without actually getting into it and we just try and put them into a box and we don't actually figure out who is this person yes yes right? yes, yes, that's yes, what yes. We, that's what we want 
is we, we want to be seen as who we are, not these contrived little boxes that are in existence. And we're so, we're so, it's so easy to be judgmental these days. Right. And I, I used to be like, that all the time and I still am sometimes I'm always working on it but and it's one of the reasons why I let my hair grow long because I was just like I'm just gonna I just want to be who who I am and I, I don't really quite know who that is yet so I'm in my 50s and my hair I don't like people say oh you color your hair no I don't and bonus I'm not losing any either so <laughs> I was want let it grow just just be myself and and um you know I think that's that's I think it's really what what what, what God wants, you know, he, he used to, he used to, he used to not like the hypocrites, right? Right. Christ used to just, he couldn't stand the hypocrites and, you know, hypocrites is in, in the Greek, the original meaning for it is actually when you pretend to be something you're not, because in Greek, in Greek, um, um, in Greek theater, when it started back in the, in, in those days, they, they would wear masks, right. Mm-hmm. Uh, to portray a, a different character. And that would be, they were called a hypocrite for doing that. And it wasn't like, now we have a negative connotation to it. Oh, you're a hypocrite, but it actually meant, and it does mean you're being somebody that you're not. So that, that may be a positive thing. It may be a negative thing, but in, in acting, that's what it is. You're a hypocrite when you're acting something different. And that's what God doesn't like is when you're acting other than who you really are. So you need to be figure out, this is for me anyway, I need to figure out who I am right now in this moment. And if it's a little rough around the edges for now, then that's okay. I'm not going to pretend to not be rough around the edges right now. I think that was smooth out as I go, but I'm just tired of just pretending to be something I'm not. Or here's, here's Cody. I'm like, oh my God, the Cody. I mean, you were... I mean, I was nervous uh, being, you know, getting invited to your podcast because you know, I've, I've, yeah, I've met I've met John Maxwell and you, you know, I've listened to you. I'm like, man, you just you just you're a good thinker, right? You're a good leader, right? You just you you know, I think you have your act together at a very young age, and so you know, I, I find it uh, I think it's easy for people to feel either intimidating or or uh, you know, like, oh, how, how should I act when I'm on this podcast with Cody? Well, uh, uh, Cody, I was, uh, you know, I'm a uh, high-end uh, business consultant and uh, all this crap I used to say. I used to try to impress people with my my career. And and um, it's not like that anymore, right? It's just wonderful just being myself. And, and you are just a wonderful example of somebody who is being themselves. And uh, that's um, really what, what all of this boils down to. You know, we uh, kind of went off the bunny trail with being, um, <laughs> with being, with being a Christian. Right. Yeah. And, uh, like when I meet other Christians, I'm like, you don't, don't, don't get your hopes up at what you think I might be because you're going to get disappointed real quick. I'm, I haven't arrived yet, but God, <laughs> God knows my heart and I'm getting better. I get a little better every day. And, and he's the first person I meet every single morning. And, uh, that's, that's what my life is all about. Right. And, that, that makes me think of a, a story from St. Francis. Um, uh, St. Francis of Assisi had, had just this, he's, he's one of my favorite saints in, in the Christian I know, I know he is. I'm, I'm actually not, uh, uh, I'm not a Catholic myself, but I've, I've been highly influenced by the Catholic mindset. Because yeah. I went to a Catholic college. I've had a lot of friends who are Catholics. And, um, and St. Francis of Assisi did some amazing work within the Christian world. Um, there, there's this one story of him where he, he was starting to get this really good notoriety. People were all following him and they were starting to put him up on a pedestal, right? Because he, he's just this living example of, you know, what is it to live who you are, even when it's against the grain and everything, right? Okay. And, um, and, and people were starting to call him a saint. 
Now, now in the Catholic Church, you can only become a saint after death because you can screw up a lot while while still in life, right? <laughs> right, that, right. That, that's basically how it works. And and basically, what Saint Francis told the people is, "Don't call me a saint. I, I'm not dead yet. I could still screw up tomorrow." <laughs> Right? Like, I'm not there yet. Yes, that's right. Uh, I, I love that. And I love, I love St. Francis of Assisi's uh, sayings and quotes. That's uh, powerful. But that's, I mean, that's what, that's what Me Too What Now is all about, really, is, is finding, finding yourself, living yourself, and, and giving yourself. I mean, even if I'm ever feeling down, I watch my own videos because I think they're so funny. You know, on my, on my, on my website, on my YouTube channel, I have a little two minute little introduction to what is me too what now and I'm, I'm downtown in Denver and it, it was like a just an off the cuff thing I was thought I should explain to people what it is I'm doing you know and and um, so I got my card my label and and uh, I'm talking about it I'm all excited about it and everything boom and and that is what that is a really funny clip, and but it's so powerful because it was I was just being myself, being authentic, and there were people all around me watching because I have like two cameras set up and a, and a, and a GoPro from above. I got this whole production thing going on, and I'm by myself. There's nobody around, and a lot of homeless people come up and they ask me for money and stuff, and that's a whole another piece of my story, which I I, I love, right? I love I love meeting the homeless people, and um, yeah, it's just about being you know finding out who you are, find yourself, and then live that. Uh, what, uh, and then forget the first, when I lost my job on December, two, in December 2016, I was going to coffee shops early in the morning, which I still do quite often because I like going when there's no people there. As soon as people come around, I usually like to leave. I'm not really big into crowds, only for a short period of time. And so I went to a new coffee shop and the barista said to me, uh, so what do you do? And, and like people always ask, right? What do you do? Yeah. And it just suddenly hit me. I, I had already been on, been on disability for six months. And if people ask me what I did, I'd tell them all about my high-end consulting career because it just sounded so great, right? And then when – but I didn't tell them I was on disability because I thought, oh, I'm going to get off disability and go back to my high-end job. But when that disappeared and I wasn't going back and I got terminated and that barista asked me, what do you do? I, I, was, I was in a shock and I, I looked at him and I said uh, – Nothing, nothing. <laughs> and, and I was, just, I was so you could tell I was confused, right? He goes, "Okay, so like nothing." And I said, "Nope." And he goes, "Well, so you obviously don't have a job." And I said, "Nope." He said, "Well, are you retired?" And I said, "No." But he never thought. I don't look like I'm on disability, right? Yeah. So he never thought to say, "Are you on disability?" Right? He just, said, he just looked at me confused. And he goes, "Well." That must be nice. <laughs> well, I, guess, I guess it is. You know, and then uh, it's, uh, it is nice, actually, because whether you have a job or not, or your career, your business, even, even though I'm, I'm busy with Me Too right now, I can, I can, I can monitor how much, what activity I, I, I'm involved in. And, and my, my goal is to get off disability through this. This is, this is where, I'm, where I'm headed. But, you know, it's, whether, whether you're working or not, I think we should all be able to, at any point, not identify who we are with what we do, just who you are with who you are. You know, when Definitely. people say, well, what do you do? I just, uh, I live. I, I mountain bike, I snow ski, I, uh, I travel. Well, what do you know? Well, what I meant is, what do you do? Oh, what do I do? Well, I, uh, I, uh, I love my mom. I love my sister. They're great. And, but just 
dodged the whole career piece, right? Because people, as soon as you tell them what you do, they, they form an opinion, right? Yeah. On, 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 uh, on what type of person that you are. And they so, uh, in a box. That's, that's right. That's right. And so now if you've got rock star hair, right? Now you can, oh, you can come up with all kinds of things and tell them, right? <laughs> I can't wait till, you know, hey, I'm a social media YouTube influencer. Now that makes sense. <laughs> that's that, 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 I can see that. But um, anyway, it's, uh, it's been uh, a wonderful journey. It's been great being on your show too. Definitely. Thanks. Um, is there anything else that you really want to touch into? You know, I, I love um, people ask me that question. And, uh, the, what I want to touch into is, is of the 60 some odd million people that are survivors of childhood sexual abuse. If you hear this podcast or you hear me anywhere, or you just, you need to talk to somebody, right? And just start to tell someone your story. And that's where the beginning of healing begins. And so, you know, by all means, I was really fortunate. This is another reason why I know this is my calling. Me Too What Now was not taken as a domain, and it wasn't taken as a hashtag. It wasn't taken on Twitter, Instagram, YouTube, or, or uh, on uh, Facebook. So if you search Me Too What Now, all one word, just Google that. You'll find me everywhere, and, and I hope that you find something that helps you in your journey. And, um, and by all means, reach out to me. Uh, um, I, I spend several hours a day just commuting to, communicating with people that are either survivors or they're also social media influencers like I am in this, uh, in this uh, community. I'm certainly not the only one. And there's a lot of other people doing great work out there on social media. But, but reach out, right? Reach out. And that doesn't even mean going to get professional help at, at this point or maybe even ever. But just for your own self, for your own well-being and uh, your own life, um, talk and, and, uh, and, uh, you know, look me up and, um, or reach out to another nonprofit organization. And, and by all means, you know what, it's, it's, it's great getting it behind you. It's great dealing with it. And it's great becoming a whole person and, uh, and uh, living free. And that's what, that's what this is all about. So definitely. And, and I, 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 what you just said right there, I think that is the first piece to really being authentic right, is you have to be able to say what is your story, no matter how difficult it is, right? Because if, if you can't say your story, and, and stories drive the world, right? Your story yes. drives everything you do. And if you can't live that story, and it's, it's an epic tale, whether you're, you recognize that or not, Every person's story is an epic tale. And the more you can live into it, the more authentic you can be and the easier you can live into who you're supposed to be, you know, and that starts with the story. Who are you? And it's okay to say, I don't exactly know right now. That's right. That's right. And it doesn't have to be public. That's the thing. It yeah. doesn't, it doesn't have to be public. The first time I ever shared my story was in 2015. I met a new friend and uh, we sat down and, and he says, Ed, so um, tell me all about yourself. And I thought, I am going to tell him all about myself. I've never told anyone. And he had a nonprofit that worked in this area. Right. And so I, yeah. I felt safe with him and I let it all go. And, um, and that was the, really, that was the start. That was December of 2015. That was the start of everything really turning around for me. And, and um, 
that's a that, that could be for a whole other episode if you wanted to do another one because I now advocate for um, uh, an organization called Shift that is in that does anti uh, child sex trafficking, and so that's another part of uh, organization that I work with, and I really uh, you know part of my story unfortunately is having uh, exploited that industry. And that's another, another, and you can, you can tell by the way I'm looking around, I feel it. It's still something I'm, I'm ashamed of, um, but I'm not afraid to talk about it. And um, yeah, that's, that's a whole nother um, industry that is uh, shockingly huge, uh, just like childhood sexual abuses that we don't like to think about or look about or, or talk about. Definitely. And and I think that would be a great thing to have you all back on for. To, to I can't talk. believe I invited myself up to another episode. Hey, you know what? I, I don't care. I For me, like, I love having good conversations with people that are trying to do something in the world. And sure, we we all come from things that we'd rather not talk about, things we're ashamed of, things that right. didn't go the way we would hope they would go. You know, things happen to us that shouldn't happen to us, right? It's and, life. It's, it, it's, it's life. It, this is every, it's everybody's story, right? Exactly. Right? And, and, and everyone's unique story can make such a dramatic change in the world. If you're, will, if you're one willing to talk to somebody so that you can – be authentic at least to one person whether that's you know whether that's reaching out to you ed whether that's reaching out to me whether that's reaching out to a nonprofit or a therapist or you know you have to be authentic to somebody and the more we can live into the story of who we actually are the more we can actually change the world and really that's that's what makes you legendary right? Is living into that authentic version of yourself, living into that story, not saying it's necessarily all okay that happened, right? But that it did happen. And this is what we're going to do now, right? It's the action. It's not, it's not just me too. It's me too. What are you going to do about it now? Me too. Now. That's right. And, and, and it doesn't, that doesn't have to, in, in the context of what we're talking about, it doesn't have to have anything to do with sexual abuse. It's just, exactly. here's my story. I'm, I'm, I'm telling it because we all have trauma or, 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 or difficulty or sadness or, or something that's impacted our life. Oh, and yeah. I don't know if you've ever read the book by Andy uh, Andrews called The Butterfly Effect. It's a, short, it. it's a, it's a, it's a great book. And, it, and it, it talks about how, you know, every single person has a purpose on the planet and you don't know who you're going to impact by talking to somebody or by having a relationship with somebody. It's, it's a, you know, to, to, to what you were saying, you don't, you may not realize who you're going to help or impact or how you're, what your, what your uh, story is going to do to change the world. And it sounds like a change the world. Yeah. Change the world. Yeah. You, you, don't, you don't know it. The change in the world doesn't have to be something big, right? When you just impact somebody's life, that's another world. It's yeah. their world. It's a huge. It's a huge world, right? the 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 role of a parent in one kid's life is just as important as the role of someone starting a huge movement. Yeah, and a movement, right. at the end of the day, it starts with one person, right? And and a lot of times that person isn't even the one who finishes the movement, right? That's right. They're That's not right. Even the most famous part of the movement, right? Like even in the United States, right? The, the end of segregation, 
it wasn't Martin Luther King who started the, the end of segregation. He wasn't the first person right. that, to raise his hand, but he's one of the most famous people. It's because he played a huge role in it, but he was impacted by someone else before him who was impacted That's by right. someone else before him who was impacted by someone else before him. And if you take a step forward living into what you have the potential to become, even if it seems small, go for it. You need to. You need to become who it is you were meant to be, no matter how small. Because the smallest roles tend to have the biggest impact. And we have no idea. It's the butterfly effect. Have you seen that TED TED Talk? impacts everything. Where it's called How to Create a Movement. It's a three-minute video. And the guy talks about, there's a, there's a YouTube video up on the screen behind him. He goes, here's how you create a, here's how you create a movement. And there's, it was a, a party in the summertime and it was a, have you seen this? <laughs> yeah. it's, it's, it's on a hill. It's all grassy, right? It's like really poor quality. And there's this guy, he's probably drunk, right? He's just like, he's just dancing and just being a complete, you look at him and go, man, what a fool. The only guy out there. The only guy out there. Adam and for minutes, like, right? He's out guy? there for like a long time. And then one person joins him, right? Yeah. And then another, and then another. Next thing you know, pandemonium breaks out, and it's There's a massive movement, and you don't know who started it, and it doesn't matter, right? Exactly. Just one person did something, and one person joined, right? And that's that's. I mean, that's how I feel about me too. What right now, man? I don't, I don't, I don't have to have a large following. I don't care. It could, it could stop here. I don't care. All that matters is is somebody being helped today, and, and am I being helped? Right? Is this is this is this something that's benefiting someone? And that's all that matters, right? Because it's, it's going to have a ripple effect somewhere in the world. So Exactly. Exactly. That's been, that's been fun. Awesome. So, so what, are, what are the best ways for anyone to get a hold of you if they want to get a hold of you? And if you have any trouble getting a hold of Ed, feel free to get in contact with me and I'll get you in contact with him as well. But, but what are the best ways to get in contact with you? Well, I always tell people, I mean, I'm, I'm highly active on Twitter, Instagram, uh, Facebook, and YouTube. But if you just, you can either Google my name, Ed Squire, or me too, what now, all one word, just Google that, and I'm, I'm there. And, and feel free to, to private message me, send me an email, and on my website, metoowhatnow.com, there's lots of um, uh, ways to contact me through email or or uh, or anything, and but don't don't but feel free to reach out. I get back to everybody as quickly as I can. I'm not that busy, but I can't uh, take the time to. I would rather connect with someone to make a video. You know what I mean? That's 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 what's important to me. So uh, that would be uh, that'd be great. So uh, thanks for asking that. Definitely, yeah. And and at the end of the day, right? It's all about connections, anyways. Uh, it's one of my favorite things to talk about is we live in a world that puts such a high emphasis on independence, but at the end of the day, independence isn't the greatest thing we can achieve. The greatest thing we can achieve is interdependence, right? We need each other to really thrive to the highest levels. I need you, you need me and we need others, right? That's right. And, and when it comes to this particular topic, it's not easy to go, yeah, that makes sense, Cody. Let me reach out to the world because yeah, it's, it's, it's shameful and it's fearful. Yeah. And so that's, that's why I'm, I'm hoping that, well, I'm not hoping, it already is. It's a, it's a place for people to go to connect and you don't even have to reach out to me. Just watch, watch my videos and, and just uh, allow my journey to impact, impact your journey. And, uh, what ends up happening is uh, other people's journeys are impacting 
impacting mine. So don't be afraid to reach out. Definitely. Awesome. Thank you so much, Ed. Thank you, Cody. Been a real pleasure. Thank you very, very much. Thanks for listening to this episode. Please make sure to go on to your favorite podcast player of choice and there rate the podcast, then subscribe so that you don't miss any episodes. And then if you truly want to be a leader, share this episode with someone that you know will be impacted because the best leaders fuel not only themselves, but others as well to their heroic potential. If you want to unlock your heroic potential faster, then you will want to join the League of Legendary Leaders, an association of leaders who are dedicated to unlocking their heroic potential, unlocking the heroic potential of others, and where legendary leaders are born. We also have a goal to raise $100,000 monthly to support nonprofits that are actively undertaking causes to impact the future in areas including neurodiversity, positive psychology, homelessness, and more. Seize the call now. Go to www.theleadership.guide and click Get Free Guidance Now to propel you on your journey to legendary leadership. I'm your host, Cody Dakota, and I'm honored to have spent this time with you today. My final message for you, and listen closely. It's time. Wake up your heroic potential. Let go of your fears and anxieties. And let's discover what is possible on your journey to become a legendary leader. Emerge and become who you were meant to be.